I'm not proud of this, but I've tried them all, and here are my final rankings. Popeyes, Burger King, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's. This is in reference to their spicy chicken sandwich. Where's Wendy's, dude? Wendy's is not on there. What? What? You've clearly never had Wendy's. I had a bad Wendy's experience recently, and it turned me off to the whole Wendy's game! Was it a spicy chicken bad experience? No, no. (laughs) Wendy's just slipped in their spicy chicken. They came way late to the game. What? Uh, It's been there since the 90s. (laughs) Wendy's has always started the spicy chicken. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Really? Yes. Well, who just slid in the back door with the spicy chicken? McDonald's. Literally everyone else. Literally, it's the new, it's the new big ad. It's like McDonald's has finally has spicy chicken. Yeah, you're right. This is good. Popeyes is the best, though. But I had Popeyes today for the first time. People have been talking about I've always been a Chick fil A guy. Uh, Then I had the Burger King one. The Burger King one is shockingly good. But I had Popeyes today, and holy shit, let me tell you, it is the best (laughs) one in the business. I got to get my hands on that. And I'm, this really irritates me because I'm already kind of i'm just nervous going into gming this and i got a lot in my head and i didn't and i my wife brought home for the kids mcdonald's for lunch and she's like i got you two cheeseburger meal you want a couple cheeseburgers while you're getting ready to go here and we were just about to record and i was like i can't eat mcdonald's and then sit down and do this (laughs) and now you're like i just had a spicy chicken for popeyes (laughs) i'm so jealous Try, I didn't, so much I didn't chicken. know. I didn't know you were fighting the uh, the good fight, the uh, spicy chicken wars, as they call it. <laughs> well, you just—I got caught up in the war. I didn't—I didn't choose it. It chose me. <laughs> See, this is where I can finally believe your kill count of three hundred twenty-three people. If you're talking about the chickens you've murdered for your spicy chicken sandwiches, you know, I'm not even a fast food guy. But you ever have those uh, moods, especially if you're traveling and you like, you know, ah, we got to stop, and then you stop once at a McDonald's or Burger King, and then it's just like. A couple days later, ah, I'm gonna run up to the drive-through, honey. That's where I'm at. And so now it became a game. Can I try them all? Uh, but I guess I did not try Wendy's. I went to Wendy's for the first time in like 25 years the other day, and it was not good. The frosty was delicious, but the sandwich was not good. Huh. <laughs> Wasn't chicken. It's like double bacon bullshit. Matthew, your thoughts? I haven't tried any of them. <laughs> <laughs> and unlike Troy, I will not be issuing an opinion. <laughs> you know, I do believe you about Burger King, though, because I tried their uh, their plant based Whopper when they came out with that. I was kind of like, I'm not a fast food head either. I rarely get fast food, but I was like, you know what? Let's see what's going on over at Burger King. And uh, pretty dang good. Not gonna the, lie, the pretty Impossible good. Whopper. The Impossible Whopper. Yep, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard good things. Uh, I did the Impossible Donkey's sausage sandwich, and uh, it was pretty. It was pretty good. Not healthy though. Not healthier for you. Just you're just killing less animals. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing. Like I haven't even tried it, but I believe the Impossible Whopper is going to be fine because I don't bite into a Whopper and think. "Mm." The taste of that fresh meat. You know what I mean? Like, it's all you're tasting is mayo and tomatoes and lettuce and fat. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's fat. All, and the, the roll and this, yeah, the grease. Like, it's all, all those other flavors are in there. I feel like you the real question, it. though, is where you rank fries for fast food. Mm. Ooh, that's, are, a, that's an angel. Yeah. That's a whole angel other podcast. Debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll make it easy. Do you get, I don't you rank get, them anywhere because I don't eat them. 
Wow. What? Wait, you don't eat French fries, period? Or I'm you? not a big French fry guy. Yeah, I don't do the fries. <laughs> I don't you order crazy? the meal. Stunned I, into silence. I just order sandwiches. I don't order the meal. You don't put the He's French crazy. fries don't in the Don't listen to him, everybody. He's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. I, like I feel like we should all roll a sanity check after hearing that news. Now, <laughs> yeah. I, as a, as a general rule, I have, I eat fried foods. I don't, like, they make me, don't, I don't feel good after I eat them, so I don't generally eat them. However, french fries are delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I, hmm. There was a time when I said that the Bur- Burger King was the best, and everybody mm. thought that I, w- I was crazy because um, like McDonald's is the best fries. And uh, I've since begged off that a little bit. I also probably have not had Burger King in five years, probably. Um, but yeah, McDonald's is is really good. I'm a big you fan also- of the uh, Arby's curly fries. Mm-hmm. I like a seasoned yeah. fry. Mm. Or you also guys. have to delineate between like the Arby's, Wendy's, McDonald's of the world, and then like the Five Guys, Shake Shack. Yeah. Like I feel like they're both in the fast food business, but they're they're slightly like they're not on even playing fields. Like McDonald's will pay like tw- twenty two cents for whatever goes into your double cheeseburger <laughs> for the meat. Arby's Whereas- is gross too. It's bad yeah. roast beef. Roast beef is a religion in Massachusetts. We don't mess around with Arby's. Well, it's not really roast beef. Like in, it's, it's not even supposed to be compared to a real. You don't compare a McDonald's hamburger to an actual restaurant hamburger. It's a completely different thing. It's true, but uh, I just think Garby's is gross. <laughs> You'd have that. Whereas opinion. I don't think McDonald's is gross. Well, you just got to slather it with that horsey sauce, man. Ooh, that horsey sauce. <laughs> oh, Next time so we're in good. Massachusetts, I'm gonna take you guys to Kelly's roast beef. We'll leave Matthew in the car. And we'll get. <laughs> can, we, can we make sure the windows are rolled up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kelly's isn't even the best, but it's like this the most probably most well known. Every town has their own roast beef joint. Uh, I used to go to Supreme Roast Beef in Danvers, but Kelly's Roast Beef is right on Route One. We'll go. We'll take a little detour. We'll go to Kelly's. And get yourself a nice roast beef on an onion roll with some provolone. We'll bring a cold one back for Sydney, and then when Matthew's sleeping, we'll slide some roast beef in his mouth and say, Haha, "You get to try it too, you son of a." Bitch. Can we combine the two and take some roast beef and put a slice on each of the fried chicken sandwiches, the spicy fried chicken sandwiches, and see which one is best after? A sleeping taste test for Matthew, you mean? We just like shove Popeyes in his mouth. No, he didn't care for that one. And then shove Chick-fil-A. He's really going to hate that one because of their politics. And then shove a McDonald's one in there and see what he does. <laughs> the sorry thing is, this, is, this is, wouldn't even be the first or second time this happened. <laughs> Uh, no stranger to the sleep meats. My dad was telling me recently about raising canes. Have you guys had that? No, no. Mm-mm. Apparently, they're they're also in the chicken in the chicken wars. I don't know where they are. There was a bunch of random places that jumped into the chicken wars, like out of the the blue, like truck stops and stuff. Were like, we actually made a chicken sandwich too, and people are like, what the. F- why? <laughs> it's like when a porn star runs for mayor. Nobody takes them seriously. They're not really part of the chicken wars. I can say, I'm part of the chicken wars. Start running around my neighborhood. Like, get out of here, hippie. Unless like it's in Italy, raisin. they can win. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Italian parliament is half porn stars at this point. <laughs> I got to look into their, how everything's going over there. Maybe they're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at some graphs. <laughs> it looks like the closest raising canes is in Boston, Massachusetts. 
Oh, so, oh we, otherwise they're in like Ohio there. and the Virginias and Tennessee and the Carolinas. Yeah, they sound really popular and and we're gonna <laughs> yeah. definitely go there. Yep. It just sounds like a radius specifically outside of New York. Like they're not allowed to penetrate <laughs> yeah. a specific distance to New York City. <laughs> Their logo looks like Bojangles. I don't know if you have Ooh. had Bojangles down mm. in the Carolinas, as where I typically get it, uh, where they give you an 84 ounce sweet tea with <laughs> 8,000 grams of sugar. Yeah. It's just the surest way to uh, achieve adult onset diabetes. But, uh, <laughs> looks um, like they just opened one on Marine Corps Drive in Guam. So oh, jangles or canes? Canes. So if we're doing a live show in Guam, we can go right I there. would love to do a Marine show, a show in Guam. It's in America, so let's go. The, uh, the chain I've always wanted to try that I haven't, uh, it's mostly in like the Carolinas and uh, Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee. It's supposed to be really good, and I've watched several YouTube videos on it. It's cookout. Have any of you done a cookout? No. Oh yeah, cookout. I've done that in Virginia. How was it? Cookout's good. I mean, it's kind of it's the same thing. It's like Shake Shack or In and Out, and people from the South like cookout because that's what they have. To me, it was pretty good. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cookout. Right. Well, I'm glad we did this. <laughs> Bye. But now it's yeah. time. See you guys. <laughs> I got to order some food. I'll be right. I know. Down. I know. Exactly. Uh, that we can I'm have this Zoom meeting about. What are you ordering? Yeah, what are you ordering? Well, there's a Popeyes like five blocks from here, so I'm setting up an order for one. <laughs> Damn you, Skid. Another casualty of the chicken wars. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. What's the one that we always used to get when we played at your house, Skid? We didn't even mention that. Uh, what? What was house? the fast food burgers that we always Petey's? got? Oh, Petey's. 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 Yeah. Petey's. Oh, I've been Petey's. Petey's in forever. Petey's is amazing. God. We used to we used to play a little bit of Rune Lords when we would guest there. Uh, we'd play a little Rune Lords and then get in Petey's and everybody mm-hmm. would just be. It smelled like a fast food restaurant in your <laughs> in your apartment within ten seconds. Uh, oh, so good. Petey's is really time. basically in and out. It's the same. Yes, basic yeah, kind very of similar. Yeah, their yeah, fries similar. are better. I think the fries are better. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back into the DG zone and. Uh, and get back to the story, which uh, really wild as you guys, as you guys end your operation, essentially, you essentially end the the operation that you were uh, sent to Glen Ridge, Long Island to do, which is to uh, give the local police enough to, quote unquote, solve this this crime of the serial killer, stop these killings from happening uh, and then destroy whatever it is that was doing it. And um, you got the amulet of the moon. You destroyed it. You really think that uh, that you're good to go on that, at least, you know, in Long Island. But during this whole pursuit, you discover there is some sort of companion artifact to this. And there's not just two. There were seven at one time. Uh, but your research leads you to believe that most of them were destroyed hundreds of years ago, but a uh, few had not surfaced until recent memory. One of which is the Amulet of the Sun, an amulet that uh, is housed in the Museo de Precolombian Arte, something like that. I don't know how to pronounce Spanish, but uh, the Museum of Precolombian Art uh, in Cusco, Peru. 
you you've known it. You found out many many episodes ago that it's in there. Seems to be safely housed as part of this collection. Um, but then you get the tip that the other group. These, these other people from Delta Green, not Delta Green, competing Delta Green, whatever this is, uh, s- seem to find some importance in this and want to go to Peru and research it. You find this out from a tabloid article. And then uh, when you do a little bit more digging, you you realize it's it's pretty real and that there could be effects, uh, negative effects if it falls into the wrong hands. You go back down to D.C., talk to your contact, Carson, and he gives you the the clearest definition that he can. He says, my understanding is that these these people, the Eileen Parkers of the world, are looking for this thing to to do research to uh, for whatever purposes they want, whether it's uh, safety, protection, money, you don't really know. But what you do know is they don't want to just destroy it. They just don't want to flat out destroy it. Where do you guys stand on that? You all seem to come back saying you all stand on the side of just destroying it, not looking for further research into this unnatural, because ultimately, at the end of the day, there's no you can't really research it. No good will will come of that. Um it is a difference of philosophy that you guys have all aligned on, uh, but it is opposed to the philosophy of those who have headed to Peru ahead of you. Carson gives you the option to call it there and move on. Perhaps another operation, another day. If they got this amulet, we could find out if there's some way to, to deal with it or whatever. But you guys say, we want to do this right now. And, and to quote Roger Comstone, he doesn't stop until the mission is over. He considers it part of the same mission, and he wants to make sure that this thing does not fall into the wrong hands. So you tell Carson this at uh, at this diner that you meet at uh, and this restaurant that you meet at. And we leave the last episode with you all sort of being like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in all for your own reasons. I loved it. Fantastic moment. I'm glad that you guys all uh, saw it that way. And I think he's really, and Carson is really happy too, because he, uh, he doesn't want to ask you to do something that, you know, could, could really be dangerous, uh, in this case. And he's happy that you volunteer to do so. So with that, he, he leans in and he says, uh, all right, so here's the plan. Uh, and so as, uh, Troy had said before, <laughs> what, did he, what did you say? Cut, cut to the montage or cue the montage. Uh, you're like, cue the montage. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, you know what? I like that idea. That's a fun idea. So, um, he leans in and, uh, says, all right, here's the plan. And we cue the montage. <laughs> we cut to the dark, uh, edges of the Pine Barrens in Long Island. A large, tall fence of this auto salvage yard uh, is abutted right up against it. And we see Caesar and Magdalena climbing this fence, throwing a big, heavy blanket over the uh, barbed wire, looping around to the other side, dropping down, looking around quietly, middle of the night, sneaking around in the back of the yard to where they know this Winnebago is, breaking into the Winnebago. And then we see them uh, firing up the laptop. Magdalena's... 
<laughs> getting going. Uh, Caesar is get going through all of the different IDs and samples that they had there, the different paper that could be used for photos and all this stuff. And we just see uh, as Magdalena is getting to work, we see out of the printer, we see coming through a uh, a fake U.S. passport with uh, Gavin's picture on it. It's like coming out of the printer. Uh, then we cut to uh, daytime and air. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? This is a good time. Uh, we're going to do a couple days here. So uh, just two nights uh, that you guys would actually get a little bit of rest between when you start this process and when you can actually get on a flight, uh, which means each of you that have hit point damage can roll your con times five check. Uh, if you succeed, you will regain one hit point. So I believe that that's just Gavin and Jordy right now. Um, but you can see if, if this rest will... Get you, we cut to Gavin in bed asleep. <laughs> Matthew's doing a great asleep face. There's a chicken in his mouth. <laughs> he needs to regain a hit point. Get the Popeyes. Jordy is dipping turkey slices. Yeah, <laughs> little slices of turkey into his mouth. That's like, how Jordy nurses his friends back to heart. He just slips cold cuts into the gaping maws. Cold cuts and high seat. Yo, roast beef tea bag. <laughs> Absolutely choking. He is on his back and he's choking. Uh, did you guys roll? Did you heal any HP? Uh, I, it's a I, D4. What is it? It is uh, a D100 against your con times five. So, so you you want to roll under nights, right? your con? What's that? We're doing two nights, right? Two nights. Yeah. So you get two rolls. All right. So the first one I failed, and the second one I succeeded. All right. So you regain one hit point. You will also regain 2d6 willpower points over that time. I don't know if you're still down willpower or not. I know you were only down a little bit uh, I'm only after down the ritual. One, but I'm, I'll be back up to full then. You'll be back up to full. What about uh, what about Jordy? I got one hit point back. One success, one failure. <laughs> one success, one fail. Okay. What is Jordy's con, by the way? I was curious about this considering his frail state. Nine. Nine. Okay, so it is pretty frail. All right. Uh, Awesome. All right, so now we cut to uh, airport security. We see a young woman smiling at Caesar uh, at the check-in point as she takes his passport, examining it closely, and then looking back up at him. She swipes it across the reader, and you see a green light go beep. She looks back up at him, at the ID, up at him, at the ID, smiles, hands it back. He uh, walks through and uh, and passes by over to his right, Jordy, who is standing on the other side of this security while a woman is going all around his oxygen tank, like looking into it closely, uh, uh, just sort of a standard security check. He looks up and two lanes over makes eye contact with Magdalena, who pulls up these headphones over her ears and just looks nervously <laughs> down at the oxygen tank right as the woman looks up gives the nod like you're good to go Magdalena turns and starts walking away now we go on to the airplane when we start moving down the aisle and we see all in different areas of the plane is everybody seated and we come up and see Roger Comstone sitting in a seat uh, by himself looking out the window of the aircraft and far below we see the uh 
we see an ocean, see a huge sea below him. And uh, it zooms in a little bit on kind of what he's looking at. And we see that there is, you know, a sparse cloud cover. And then in the middle of this gigantic sea, uh, a small faded island can be seen all the way in the distance far below uh his expression gets a little tense for a second and uh and we go into roger's mind what is roger thinking in this moment as he's looking out this window on a flight to peru (laughs) so he sees this island and sees the clouds whipping past it and uh i imagine watching the clouds kind of obscure the island and the island pops back out and obscure it again whipping past all of a sudden it changes to like uh, an above shot of a car zipping along a highway and we see this car uh, put its blinker on and pull into a rest stop and uh, the driver's side door opens and Roger from 10 years ago hops out hmm. he's, a li- he's a little less tan Maybe he's got a few less wrinkles. He still looks, you know, like he's lived a hundred lifetimes, but... Yeah, he still posts that other operation, right? So yeah, he's in rough yeah. shape. He's in rough shape. He never looked great. He watched an FBI agent's jaw get ripped right off of his body. So. <laughs> Even his time on the island, all it did was really tan him. It didn't make him... Uh, it didn't relax him. So he walks... He, he walks inside the rest stop, past the Starbucks, past the Roy Rogers... Past a vending machine selling iPhones. <laughs> Never understood those. Who buys an iPhone from a vending machine? <laughs> He's heading to the men's room, and, and maybe like right outside the re- men's room, there's a, a payphone, and he, he eyes it for a second, hesitates, and then just walks by into the bathroom. A couple of minutes later, he comes back out, passes the payphone again, but this time he stops, turns around, walks up to it put some change in and dials he's like uh, hey I'm actually uh, on my way back into town just uh, finished a job up in New York thought maybe we could uh, grab a bite to eat or something and from there it just cuts to the sound of a bed furiously thumping <laughs> The wooden, wooden headboard just banging against a wall. Sounds of passion and hot animal lovemaking. And it goes from this. Sydney is emphatically not. She's into it. She's like, oh yeah, yeah. Not enough detail. I want more detail. Sweat dripping off of two live bodies, one of which is covered in scars, and the other is a parrot. And the other. Feathers fly. Feathers fly, squawking. Like you've never heard. Passionate squawking. Passionate squawking. Like you've never heard. The fury of this of this hot sex builds to a crescendo and then just silence. Uh, it's clearly time has passed. The lights are off. It's a little darker in the room and we see Roger slip out of bed. Uh, maybe a woman with her, her naked back turned to us asleep on the other side. He gets up quietly but kicks a couple of natty bow cans. They make a little sound on the floor. He turns to see if he woke the woman up. She stirs a little bit, but doesn't wake. He heads into the bathroom. The sound of his fierce urine stream <laughs> comes up and 
And then it starts to fade into the background as we hear sounds of gunshots, explosions, helicopters whirring. And then the sound of that monster in Keene, New York. He just, he tries to just focus on his, on his stream. But all these sounds, these voices in his head, he shakes his head to try to clear them out. And then he just like pulls up his pants and quickly sits on the toilet, like breathing in and out deeply. And as he's sitting there, he looks down and sees a cover of a travel magazine that says, Escape to your own island. Visit Rincon, Puerto Rico. And he just gets lost looking at that magazine cover for a little too long. And then we cut to outside as Roger exits a quaint Cape Cod home with a white picket fence just as the sun is coming up. He takes one look back at the house, lights up a cigarette, and then walks away. Oh. Oh, man. Man, this was the R-rated scene we've had. (laughs) It was pretty R-rated. And in the, in the, the TV version of it, they, we show everything. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say they cut away. They oh, no. do like the... We show everything. Do the, well, so do the credits still say no animals were harmed in the making of this production? <laughs> after that scene is fully shown? Okay. Who shows who shows the softcore soft stuff? HBO? Stars? No, this is unprecedented HBO. First time they've showed full penetration oh, with camera God. angles like you've... You didn't know were possible. <laughs> oh my God. Why? On HBO. Why would you put the camera there? Why would you put the camera there? They don't what even do that in court. To, <laughs> what are we trying to accomplish with that camera angle? Is that a GoPro? What are you doing? Yeah. How does this advance the narrative? Steven, Steven Soderbergh shot this episode, which was a huge game. black and white. It's all, all black and white. Seemed, <laughs> but they, he really got in there with an iPhone, and you see it all. You see it all. <laughs> It's going to revolutionize uh, television, I think. Magdalene is watching this movie on the plane. She's yeah, watching she's it in flight. <laughs> she keeps like kind of turning around trying to find Cumstone on the plane. Watching. She's like, is this It's so meta that Magdalene is watching Delta Green getting it's the trunk. On the, episode it's, on the, it's on the, the little screen on the airplane. She's yeah. trying to change the channel. It's on all yeah, the channels. There's a seven-year-old sitting next to her. I have the broken TV and it won't turn off. It's blaring light. The PA like, comes over. It's just like, the captain has turned off the seatbelt sign, freezing the image in one of the most uncomfortable <laughs> angles. Oh, and it's on everybody's screen. <laughs> <laughs> when did you do this, Roger? I don't understand. <laughs> when did you do this? You're an actor. You say this? <laughs> no, you never mentioned you worked with Steven Soderbergh or anything. <laughs> it was during his. It was during his early iPhone days. <laughs> He was just—he was just trying, trying out the equipment, you know. Oh. Very experimental. Oh. <laughs> None of us ever knew it was going to be a big deal. We just wanted to work with Stephen. <laughs> we didn't know at the time we were part of something revolutionary. <laughs> we were just making movies. We were just making love. Oh God. 
Alright, we should play this stupid game. Uh, all right. Since showing Dennis Franz's ass on NYPD Blue has network television been so bold. <laughs> network television. <laughs> I thought it was on HBO. No, it's on ABC. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> So technically part of the Disney universe now. Yeah. It'll be on Disney Plus eventually. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it runs on ABC at 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings. <laughs> Listen, I don't mean to alarm anyone, but ever since we started, we, we made a little joke about you having sex with a parakeet. No fewer than seven pigeons have lined up on the fire escape. <laughs> oh, see, they, they know. Dude, Delta uh, Green, man. I was kidding. Pigeons are like, any turn the screen towards us. I want to see. <laughs> it's joking. <laughs> Maybe season. You're being very selfish again, Matthew. <laughs> Share the screen. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. That's what Roger sees. So that's what's going okay. on in Roger's head. So Roger is seeing himself, this memory uh, of this encounter, and then the then he's seeing Magdalena seeing the encounter on the airplane. We fade out uh, from his just twisted mind uh and uh we get back on it we um we see the uh the flight uh through like oh you know that classic shot when it's like at like at the ro- like on the runway of the airport with like the hay the heat haze yes. as the plane is just like coming in uh so you see the plane coming in and then you know the wheels hit the cloud of steam bursts out the side of the rubber hitting the hitting the road and the uh, and it comes up on screen Cuzco Peru um, the, uh, the and then we cut right into uh, uh, everybody uh, all of you guys going into like going through customs so you know you're talking to all these different people at these different uh, aisles and they're going through and you know everybody's talking giving information and then we just see the the montage of the uh, stamps just like slam 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 it's like stamps are hitting uh, everybody's <laughs> fake passports and uh, and they're handed back to you now you all grab your bags and uh, and come out of security and step into uh, the main open area, the the reception, I guess, of the airport, uh, vault, vaulted ceiling and, and advertisements and, uh, you know, the directions for ground transportation and, uh, you know, uh, taxis and all this other stuff. And uh, but that's not really what catches your eye. What catches your eye immediately is that there are police everywhere. Mm all over the place and immediately you're like what the you see they're all sort of dressed in this drab green uh, and stitched onto the side of their uniforms it says Policia Nacional and uh, and there are dozens of these officers they're armed and they seem to be hurting people they're speaking intensely in Spanish and in English uh, and telling tourists especially you guys who are coming through arrivals to move and they're hurting you all over kind of to one side and giving you only one way to exit the airport. You glean in a few moments as you're looking around uh, and you understand that uh, that uh, the people that are coming into the airport for departures are being intensely searched. Everybody is being patted down by hand by these police officers. Bags are being physically opened and looked at before they're passed back to people for them to pass through. And a line is forming that goes all the way through that open area, an enormous line, and then goes out 
out and stretches outside. As you walk outside, you step out into a pretty intense rainstorm. Uh, as you and and this sort of like humid heat uh, hits your faces as soon as you walk through. Um, as uh, as you you know you realize it is uh, uh, summer in in Peru it is pretty much the height of summer it is February and uh, you, uh, you you just kind of feel the oppression of that weather and you feel like this is just one of these dump down clear out rains uh, for you know uh, typical in the summertime you can hear the dull uh, thunder in the background. Um, you also see the traffic is super intense uh, because of whatever this is. Like all these people are backed up, so all the cars coming into the airport are backed up. And there's jet there, you know, you see all the windshield wipers going. And uh, out in front of this this traffic, standing kind of close to you, uh, ducking under one of these uh, small roofs, is uh, a man uh, holding a big white card that, in black marker, says Carson on it. Uh, and you know that this is what you're looking for. This is this is the guy you're looking for. He's mid-50s. He's got long tangled hair that's coming out from under a yellow baseball cap that has a jumping trout stitched on the front. He wears aviator sunglasses in a downpour and uh, a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. He's got beige this guy's definitely CIA. Exactly. <laughs> He's like got Joe Don Baker in the <laughs> fucking James Bond movie. Totally. He's got beige cargo shorts on and well-worn soaking sandals uh, are on his feet. As you walk closer, uh, he seems to recognize you. Uh, he seems to see you and nod, and he moves forward. He comes up kind of intently, and it's just like, friends of Carson, eh? Doesn't wait for a response and just says closely and quietly, what's the password? Oh, shit. I'm fucking with you, Mike. And he punches Jordy like a little bit on the side. And he's just... <laughs> Jordy starts. He "Oh, fuck me, sorry, mate. I didn't mean to. It's all good. It's all right. Hello, we're, we're fine here. Look, everybody, just act natural. Just follow me and uh, keep your heads down. My name is James, by the way. I would appreciate it greatly if uh, I didn't know a single one of your names. Uh, let's go. Let's go this way. And uh, he just turns and starts walking through uh, this stopped traffic to a separate parking area, temporary parking for uh, arrivals. As you're walking, um, let me get see if I can get some rain going here. Uh, as you're walking, you can uh, you're out in the rain, and uh, you can see through the haze and kind of in the distance, you see. Um, uh, you see sh the shadowy form of of mountain peaks kind of all around you and you would also know you know kind of from your research at this point that you are at uh, already you're at 11,000 feet in mm -hmm. Cusco and so these mountain peaks that you see around you uh, are way up there these are going to be uh, most likely higher than than like the Rockies right like higher than most of any of the Rocky Mountains that you've seen and uh, and you walk through this this open area to this parking lot and he leads you toward uh, a, a yellow this big van it's, it's more like a minibus than a van uh, and it's it's just this old school uh, fucking car that has uh, a, a faded yellow top with like this reddish brown paint all along the lower half. So it's kind of like split in two colors. Uh, you could probably guess that the lower half is going to be uh, 
that's going to be hiding some rust, that, uh, that brownish paint. And you see a white sign that's on the side of it up at the top that says Cuzco Tours. <laughs> he walks up to the rear of this van and uh, puts a key in, opens up the door, and just reveals a small little area that's been cleared for trunk space. Maybe there used to be a bench there or something for seating, but it's been cleared. There's this ratty red throw rug that's been laid across the bottom, and he just starts taking your bags from you and tossing them uh, in into this uh, into this van and he just says hop in uh, and he gestures to this sliding door on the right side as he closes clung clung the two back doors and just says we'll talk in the car and uh, and he he gets everybody to pile in to this little minibus and then gets all the doors closed he hops in and just oh, oh all right and fucking hell it rain and he pulls off his cap and sunglasses and uh, wipes his face with his left hand and just pulling this the, the water down from it. He starts the, the, uh, the car and puts, puts it into gear and uh, starts slowly pulling back and turns back to you guys and says, I will be your tour guide for this little romp through the lovely city of Cusco and the rich... Incan history it holds and you can see it's like kind of distracted as he's trying to move through some of this traffic but it's not dead stopped to get out of the airport only to get in so he's actually moving uh, kind of quickly but um, he says and that may be something that interests you eh yeah Incan history though I suspect your interest is a little more specific a little more focused maybe uh, a certain amulet Something, a little piece that resides in the Museum of Pre-Columbian Art. And he's just kind of, like, laughing and, like, just, like, giddy. Uh, And you guys, if you don't say anything, he just says, Can I assume that's why you're here? We're hoping for a private viewing of the object in interest, if possible. Would you happen to know anything about that? Well, I'm afraid you're a bit too late, mate. Uh, day late and a dollar short, as they say. And he reaches over the passenger side to uh, um, the um, glove compartment, pops open the glove compartment, pulls out a faded newspaper, and just kind of hands it back to whoever is uh, sitting in the in the front row there uh, behind him. One of you guys uh, grabs it. Go ahead and hop on roll 20. Oh, I will show you. Oh, it's all in Spanish. <laughs> it uh, actually is all in Spanish. <laughs> this is this is Del Cusco. Ultimas notices, comentarios y periodismo para Cusco y Mazala. There you go, Sid. No, yes. So I hand it. Magdalena looks. I hand it to Gavin. <laughs> All right, she hands it to Gavin. Gavin, you notice immediately when you look at it, though it's colorful and there's all pictures, and there's a lot going on on there. Uh, oh. He oh, seems shit. to have circled a, a small article on the front page that's in the bottom right corner uh, and put a little star next to uh, one of the paragraphs. It was stolen already. It was stolen. Actually, <laughs> it says they've got robots in the museum. <laughs> No. Damn it, Robo! I see Robo. Aldas el museo artefacto invaluable robado. Yeah. So, for the record, this is all written in English 
and then translated in Google Translate to Spanish. <laughs> yes. So this is not real Spanish. Um, but I will tell you, looking at it, what uh, Gavin is immediately able to read. Uh, audacious, the, the headline is Audacious Museum Robbery, Priceless Artifacts Stolen. Uh, and then you go into the article, it says, The alarm blared yesterday at the Museum of Pre-Columbian Art as several valuable and culturally important artifacts were stolen during, apparent, during an apparent robbery. Among the stolen items is a prize piece, the Amulet of the Sun, a Chauvin artifact that represents the oldest item in the museum's collection. Police wished to speak with the museum's director of security, who did not show up for work Tuesday morning and has not been seen since. Xavier Aguilar, who you is, can read as the, the name of the um, head of director of security, Xavier Aguilar was last seen fraternizing with a group of Americans at La Fabrique La Fabrica on Monday night. The deputy chief of security, Dario Reyes, dismissed the suspicion, saying Zaria, Xavier could never do anything to compromise the safety of the collection. This museum is more important to him than anything. There must be another explanation. And you see another quote below that. I'm sure the evidence will reveal that this could not have been an inside job. I trust Xavier implicitly, said museum <clears throat> director Aranza Medina. Right now, I'm less concerned with how these priceless items were stolen. My chief concern is getting them back as soon as possible. The next line says, The Policia Nacional have been alerted to the robbery and are, and then it cuts off and says, Continued inside. If you flip open the paper inside, it goes into detail of what they know, which is not very much, and only that this head of security was seen, and they have a, a like a CCTV grainy picture of like a bar where he is talking to a, a man who's got a baseball cap on and is chatting with him at the bar, and they say they suspect this man to be an American, somebody he was talking to. The second you look at the picture, Gavin, you recognize the form of this guy as a man you know know as scott wiley of the cdc you recognize him immediately despite the grainy photograph and you're just like son of a bitch so uh after you have a chance to read this sort of sum up uh, what it says to to your companions um uh he uh um James is already kind of driving through the city now. He's kind of moving through the city. And he's just like, I, uh, I think I can take care of you on this. So I had a suspicion this was what was going on. I talked to Carson, and as usual, he kept everything so vague as to not give me a single detail worth anything. But that's the way these old Delta Green blokes work, isn't it? Uh, too paranoid to tell you a single fucking thing. But as soon as this thing went missing, I knew. I was like, the timing is this is no coincidence. It has to be something related. And so I went and asked a few of my contacts. I've got a few friends, you see. I've made, uh, made a few connections. Uh, in the tourism business, uh, really because I pay my kickbacks to the right people on time and occasionally I can call in a favour. And this time I did, and it turned out rather well. Seems this American he was talking to was asking around about tours of a certain attraction northeast of the city. Northwest of the city, sorry. Not very good at my job! Uh, <laughs> called Saksehuaman. 
it's called. Uh, it's uh, it's. I know it well. I've given many tours of the place. It's uh, heavily trafficked tourist attraction, an ancient fort. Well, not ancient, it's a few hundred years old, you know. An Incan fort that uh, is really quite an impressive place. And uh, they're asking around about it. It's the only lead I've got, and I think it's the best one we can uh, we can hope for right now. So I'm going to take you there. You can start looking around and see what you can see. Rest assured, there won't be too many tourists today. In fact, there may be none at all. Uh, he's looking up at the rain, and you guys can see outside the van. It is, like, absolutely pouring. Uh, and he's just like... There ain't no way it's going to be open today. They, they're not going to let anyone in there. The parking lot itself will be complete mud. It'll be a lake. So we'll, uh, I'll get as close as I can, and then you'll just need to make your way there on foot. I'm sure it's close. You may have to deal with a few uh, security guards out in front. You know, these will be standard uh, um, Ministry of Culture Guards, there shouldn't be too much trouble for you lot, I think, eh? Uh, they, uh, you know, do whatever you need. Talk your way in or, uh, you know, whatever you think. Uh, and he's he's driving through the city and kind of actively avoiding. And every once in a while you see him turning going like, oh, bugger me. Uh, where there, there are like stopping points on routes out of the city where they're like checking cars and stuff like that and so he's trying to avoid these uh and eventually gets to one that he can't um and he turns through and he's like well let's give it a shot should be all right everybody just uh your tourists all right tourists uh out to see the uh the incan ruins outside of cusco he pulls up and uh it's a small line of police they come to the door and they have an exchange in spanish and you can tell immediately uh as james sort of lightens up and his tone brightens that he knows this guy that he's talking to and the same uh you know vice versa they uh they're smiling and chatting the policeman takes a look uh inside of the car to all you guys and then says and gavin you hear this in spanish he says well, just let me take a look in the trunk and I can get you out of here, uh, you know, fast. And he jumps out of the car. He's like, all right, all right, that's okay. Don't worry, folks. Your belongings are all safe. Nothing's no, nothing to worry about here. And he jumps out and he goes into the back. He opens up the doors and uh, he allows uh, these policemen to just look through and he takes your bags, pulls them out briefly, lets them look around. And then, um, you know, they say, like, open this bag, open that bag. He does it. And you can tell it's all very cursory uh, and they're not really digging into anything. They're just kind of like looking uh, and because uh, he's telling them in Spanish, you hear this, like, I just picked them up from the airport. They just arrived. They weren't here yesterday, et cetera, et cetera. And so. So uh, he's just kind of keeping it moving. And the guard eventually is like, "Okay, you can pass. So he hops back in the car, starts driving out and just takes a big sigh. He's like, all right, won't be long now. It's really quite a short distance. I wanted to drive you there straight away because... I don't know what this artifact is. I don't want to know what this artifact is. I want nothing to do with it. But the fact is, these people, whoever you are racing for this thing, they know they can't get it out of the airport, and they know the only way is going to be through the jungle. So if their starting point is Soxiwaman, you're going to have to uh, find them there, or at least pick up the trail fast, because if they get into the jungle, there's no finding them. 
there is a, if there are a few minutes here as he's driving do you uh, are there any questions you have for him or anything you know based on the article or any you know what i mean like what were you guys uh what are you guys thinking right now as he's like pulling through these rain covered streets toward this uh ruin I think Magdalena wants to ask him since he has some connections here and is a bit familiar um, if he knows like any leads that they have and what direction they're leaning towards because they're checking every tourist. So are they assuming that it's like somebody foreign posing as a tourist who's trying to leave through the airport? Like that's the vibe that she's kind of getting. But do they have leads in any other way? Oh, I know. They've got no leads. They've got nothing except this. They're really, what they're looking for is not only you know, if they could stumble across the artifact itself, I'm sure they'd be very pleased. But really, it's this Xavier Aguilar they're looking for. That's the key to everything. Head of security doesn't show up the next day, and, the, and it's all missing. It's all very fishy. Uh, from what I read, uh, they are also... They're, talking to his family and an interviewer he never came home uh, the night before and so it's all highly suspicious but no they've got no good leads uh, I think this to be honest with you I think I've got one of the you and I have one of the best leads there are and they're not chasing this yet so the sooner we get there the sooner I drop you you'll be out ahead of them what kind of equipment do you have in this car I'm glad you asked. He looks back towards you for a second, and he's like, I've got you all taken care of. You are all uh, trained in firearms, right? Not really. No. Not trained, old man. No, I mean, I've I've handled them. I I don't really like guns that much, if you want to know the truth, but... uh... Well, I've got you covered. If you don't like guns, I've got a way that... Uh, I've got a few different ways to get through the jungle, as it were. When was the last time you held a good, strong machete in your hands? Uh, yeah, you know, day in, day out. <laughs> in the Bronx. You can't av- the Bronx, you can't avoid holding a machete you know, from time to time. But it's been a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> um... He's like, no, I got you covered. In fact, we're almost, yeah. Now, hold on one moment and let me find a spot. And uh, he's looking around through the rain. It's it's hard to see, but he, luckily he knows this area like the back of his hand. He knows where this place is, and he's stopping. Uh, he tells you about a half a mile away from uh, where the ruins are. And he pulls off under some uh, some trees and, uh, and hops out. And he's like, meet me in the back. And... Uh, you get some break from the rain from these uh, big trees that he pulled under and he opens up the back of the van and he just starts pushing your bags, throwing them up a little further in uh, towards the benches uh, and then he clears out that back area and just pulls this the ratty red rug out from under and you see that there is a hidden trap door under the rug. Uh, he goes in, opens up this latch and pulls open this, uh, this fucking trap door and the first thing that you see is are guns guns <laughs> and uh and like blades uh as soon as he opens this thing up uh so he opens it up reaches in and he's like as promised old man and he pulls out in one hand he's got uh a, a machete and then like this this smaller blade that some of you may recognize as a or roger would probably recognize as a kukri oh, on the nice. other hand he's got another machete and he holds it out, and he's just, like, waiting for people to take them. You'll need these, especially if you're going to be tracking them through the jungle. 
yeah, give me one of them kukris. Yeah, kukri. Now, <laughs> you know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, no, I always liked, uh, you know, Gurkhas. I always thought they were cool. So, uh, yeah, I'll take one of them. Awesome. He hands it off to you. He's got two machetes left. I'm taking the machete. Caesar will take a machete. Oh, I've been you? on safari before. <laughs> I know how to use this. Yes, yes, that's cool. Yeah, so you probably have been on safari before, uh, Caesar. Have you been to South America before? I, I know your father has businesses here and stuff, but have you actually been in your adult years to South America? Not in my adult years, because the businesses that my father runs in this part of the world are uh, too sensitive and important for Caesar to be let near. Uh, but he's been many times as a child, and uh, but but not on business, not a, not in an adult capacity. Awesome. Uh, all right, so he hands off the two machetes. He re- reaches back in, uh, and it's like he looks at Roger, and he's just like, "You look like you know your way around some weaponry. Want you take a gander in there? Tell you what you like, except for Lola," he says. Uh, and you look in, Roger, and you see two Chinese-made AK-47s, yes. a bunch of <laughs> ammo boxes. And then you see what uh, you would recognize with your skill and experience as uh, t- technical name is an Accuracy International Arctic Warfare Magnum, and it is a <laughs> sniper rifle. Uh, and it goes by a you know AIAWM uh, sniper rifle, and it's sitting uh, you know in uh, it's not f- the stock is not fully on it; uh, it's kind of in two pieces, but it's sitting there in the in the trunk. Yes, Grant. A legendary number one sniper rifle in Counter Strike. If you've ever played Counter Strike, it is <laughs> the best. Anyway, please take it, Troy. Uh, Roger just looks at him. Which one's Lola? Oh, Lola's the the AWM. You're welcome to the uh, to the AKs. Well, wait. Do you know how to use this little lady? And he pulls out the Magnum, and he's like, "Oh, let me just." Take a look. It's been, it's been a while. And he just starts moving in his hands, takes it apart, and puts it back together with his, <laughs> while never losing eye contact with the guy. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Eight seconds? Guess I lost a few seconds over time. I see. I see you're good with your hands. Well, far be it from me to deny a man of your skill a weapon of this caliber, but Boo. it comes with one condition. I need it back. The others, I don't care what happens to them. But Lola, she's mine. It's on, it's on loan only. Understood. Get something small I can slide in my pant leg. Of course, mate. He goes in and he's got a couple uh, small caliber pistols uh, in there as well and uh, hands you a pistol. You can tell just by holding the weapons and looking at them, all the serial numbers have been rubbed off and they are all in good condition. They are all like cleaned, oiled, polished and well taken care of. Um, Gavin will take one of those as well. uh, One of the small caliber pistols. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you still have these AK-47s. Does anybody want to take an AK? I'll take an AK as well. They <laughs> <laughs> look like Rambo going to the jungle. Yeah, for real. 
Magdalena, do you want to? The only the, the reason I wanted the machete is because I am good with uh, melee weapons, but I'm I don't have any firearm add-ons. Oh, but then you can take the machete, and I'll take the AK. We both have machetes. There were two. Oh, okay. But maybe yeah, someone you else can carry. You can carry a machete and an AK. You, you know, you can carry, but you can put a machete I'll in take, a sheath. And I'll take the AK, and then when we need it. Whoever yeah, he's needs like, it. I think I've got a belt around here somewhere, and he, he pulls out canvas belts uh, that you can use uh, with a small little sheath grips in them to put the machetes, you know, at your at your belt. Um, so he'll give you what you need to carry all this stuff, uh, including a, a small backpack that you can use for the uh, for the ammo. Um, he hands it off to you and is basically like, you know, this is. He points you the direction where you need to go. He's like, the ruins are up that way. Start there, and then find uh, the trail that they use, whatever it is, and uh, don't let them get lost in the jungle before the rain covers their tracks. Was there an oh, additional... also, to- very important point, young man. If you are seen by any real Peruvian authority with these weapons, you will be in unbelievable amounts of trouble you will instantly go to prison and I don't know how long it'll be before you get out so leave my name out of it you won't see me again until of course I pick up Lola at the proper time but otherwise stay as low key as you can Uh, and it's difficult you know that but you do see you're kind of in the country there's nothing around and uh, it is pouring there's very poor visibility people can't really see you from afar Anyway, sorry, what were you going to say, Grant? Is there an additional pistol that I could take? Uh, he just doesn't want to go without a firearm, if possible. If not, he's going to run. Uh, there are two pistols, two AKs, a sniper rifle. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I know Gavin took a pistol, and I don't know where the other... So, I think there still is a pistol, I, and there's... I took a pistol. Can I have your, pa- you oh, that's right. pistol? Yeah, you can have my pants pistol, and I'll, I'll take the AK and the sniper. Okay. Unless somebody else wanted that second AK. I think they're best in your hands because you have the best chance of hitting with the AK. I want an AK because it's cool, but it's better for me to have a pistol. Because I I more than likely, with a twenty nine won't hit all the time. Yeah, if I have to get up close, I'm I'm actually probably more dangerous with my hands than with a small pistol. (laughs) Uh, Does everybody know... I don't know if I should say this for people that uh, that don't know what an AK is. Does everybody know what an AK-47 is? Um, it's a, it's an assault rifle uh, that is uh, solidly and solid and kind of cheap to manufacture, relatively speaking. So it is a worldwide weapon. Uh, Russians make them, Chinese make them. Uh, do Americans make AKs? I can't remember. No, they don't. They yeah. uh, they they. Well, I mean, they're American companies, but the American military doesn't. They have like uh, deals with Colt. Heckler and right. Koch. Grant could probably speak more to this, but generally the weapon is very powerful, very deadly, but also not terribly accurate. I it's mean, really durable. It, yes, it's, it's, it's like very really durable. Take a pounding and yeah, and it's fully automatic, right? Correct. Well, yeah. it's semi-automatic, so I mean, you can. Uh, well, Grant, tell me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is you can have it to single shot. You can also do a, a burst. Um, you can also do full auto. Like you can. Do yeah, and there's auto. all sorts of different variations on the AK-47. There's the AK-74. There's the AK-47U. There are folding stocks on them for like special ops people. So instead of taking in like an MP5, those tiny black and red submachine guns you see British teams using, they have smaller variants of them. But yes, the big thing is they are cheap uh, to create. 
It actually can be accurate if fired in single shot, and um, they're easy to maintain. So they're great to have in this downpour. Um, Yes. You know, the U.S. military actually got into a lot of trouble when they switched into uh, M16s because of uh, how they didn't keep up in uh, the theaters of war they were fighting in. So A lot of U.S. soldiers would ditch their M16s if they pick up uh, an AK-47 and use it instead. Right. (laughs) Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Uh, Okay. So um, at this point, he is sending you on your way into complete oblivion. It's just like, you you know, you know the road to go down. uh, You know it's in this direction, but your visibility is poor. uh, The rain is heavy. And uh, and you would all know this. I'm uh, I'm making everybody fully prepared for this in terms of footwear, uh, the clothes that you're wearing. It is uh, it is the rainy season in Peru. It rains constantly, so you would have known that before you even left. So you would assume this this kind of weather. Uh, so you know it's it's not like you're getting your flip flops stuck in the mud as you're trying to walk along. Uh, you're all outfitted properly for it, and. Um, I think Caesar and, took everyone to REI and just let yeah. him go to town. <laughs> yeah, everyone and just, has a and just oh, God, I should have put it in the montage. Uh, yeah, so you, yeah, they, you outfitted yeah, we have everybody. have a scene of the, the, at the, uh, the fitting rooms at REI, and Gavin comes out and <laughs> shows everyone his new hiking pants, his new boots. They all sit there sipping champagne. Then we trade off. Jordy goes in, you know, <laughs> comes back out wearing a new rain slicker. Shows it Pretty off. woman uh, walking down, down the street. The street. Uh, all right, sweet. So what? Uh, what do you want to do? He's sending you on your way at this point. So now uh, it's you guys. What do you want to do? Jordy is—he's trying not to let on, but he's freaking out. He's like, "I am endangering the mission. I shouldn't have come." He's got his oxygen compressor mask on the entire time at this altitude. He feels like he's going to die every second. He's dreading getting out of the car and having to actually walk. He doesn't know if he can make it. So. Yeah, I I want to impress upon you that this change uh, I sprung upon you uh, as Handler. It's also, you know, your characters are also, have been absolutely thrown into a situation they were not expecting. And while some may thrive in this kind of environment like Roger, Others may not, and I'm not expecting you to, so feel free to play how you feel when you're actually handed a fucking machete, and it's like, <laughs> go into the jungle to find these people. Caesar hands uh, uh, Jordy some cocoa leaves to chew on and some bicarbonate, which is like what the farmers do to chew on. It's not quite cocaine, but it helps alleviate altitude sickness because he's been here before, and he he like he picked some up, some up from a vendor while they were waiting for the van on the way there. He's like, You'll be good. I promise. I'll watch your back. He's like we, and he's like just kind of like nods without being able to talk. It gives 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 him a thumbs up. Gives him a thumbs up. It's amazing, dude. It's like you're a. It's like you're a fucking astronaut. You know, you might as well be in space. That's how oh, no, dangerous absolutely. this is to you. You're just like keeping yeah. your mask on. And just you can't even talk. You're just giving yeah, a thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> Roger reaches down into his pocket, pulls out his cigarette uh, pack, and opens it up, and only the lucky is left in there. <laughs> and so he pulls it out, takes the uh, car- the uh, carton, throws it on the ground, and lights up the lucky. <laughs> and immediately faints. And <laughs> Yeah, Gavin uh, is terrified. He is I like this. He is out of his depth. Like, 
trekking through a, a, at this altitude with a weapon is not his uh, not his game. Yeah, Magdalena um, has braided her very long. It's like midway down her back hair, long braid, tucked it into her shirt, into her coat, hood up, and she is kind of psyching herself up. And surprisingly, Magdalena is actually pretty strong. She played roller derby, uh, so she this is like not strenuous for her, but out of her element, like, culture shock-wise, she's in a new country, foreign police, foreign government. Like, if she fucks up, it's done. It's all done. So what do you do? I'm just seeing Gavin, like, wide-eyed and shaking. Who is Gavin looking to right now to to lead this thing? I guess, against his better judgment, Roger Cumstone. Smart man. Gavin is looking to the Cumstone! (laughs) (laughs) We're doomed. Welcome to the jungle, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, we feel pretty strongly that they're in here. Do we have any sense of their numbers? Uh, You no, you don't have any sense, but you know that they. uh, I mean. Based on what the guy said, meaning he was just talking to one guy, uh, he also got the information. I might have just ran over this when I was talking for fucking twenty five straight minutes, but he he did uh, get he did hear when they were asking for these tours and stuff that they were asking to hire some people uh, to help. You know, so some locals, whether they be guides, uh, you don't know if they're armed or not, uh, but they were definitely looking for some locals too. That's all you know. I think you know Roger just using his best reasoning would assume. That it, you're probably talking about six people, something like that. Uh, anything larger would start to draw too many eyes, I think. Well, as we get closer, I know we haven't gone in yet. I want to make sure I pre-say that I want to roll uh, survival to see if I can get a sense of tracks, just so I have an idea of how heavily we may be outnumbered. Um, but Roger will turn to the group and be like, All right, I remember... Our ultimate goal is to get and destroy that amulet. When they find out that we've already destroyed the other one, they're not going to be happy. So this may end with us having to destroy them as well, lest we be destroyed. Is everyone understood? Is it possible we're not going to end up fighting humans, but whatever the amulet can summon? Since it is daytime... Anything's possible in the jungle. <laughs> um, question. Do we still have our FBI uh, credentials? Uh, no. No. We don't. No, we you turned those all in, and then you went out with Carson. That was, you turned them all in, got paid, and then he took you out. You know, it's like a thank you. And then it was there that he was like, give me the rest of the, the story. And um, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, Magdalena talks to come soon. Uh, so, what's your plan? Do we go in the front? We try to talk our way in. Should we try to sneak in, go around back, take out the guards? Tough call. Uh, sorry, let me be clear. You're a half a mile away from anything, uh, and this fort is enormous. It's it's really really large, and it is not. It's a ruin, so there's no inside. It's it's just like rocks, basically. But I assume um, is there like a fence or like an entrance? Like they would funnel people yeah, in. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's an entrance near a parking lot, and he said to be prepared for a couple guards to be there, and you'll just have to get past them. You just have to find a way to get past them. 
but they're probably not letting anyone in because uh, in rain like this, you can't do tours because the ground just becomes like water. Uh, and so, yeah. We can try and talk our way in. But if that doesn't work, we'll have to use force. Right as Roger says that, you see the camera pan over Caesar's eyes. And I don't know if you've seen the beginning of Tenet. But just no. like John David Washington, Caesar's eyes are closed. He cocks back his handgun, chambering around, pops out of the slide. The bullet flips in midair. He catches it in front of his face and opens his eyes and says, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> We're making an action movie. <laughs> All, right. All right. So you set off uh, and you so we just stand there. The camera's behind uh, James Kilbride as he stands next to his van and just shakes his head. They're all going to fucking die. And you all just sort of disappear into the fog and rain. Uh, as you get closer, uh, you see that the um, you can tell what is like the normal parking lot area. And you can see uh, that there's nothing there. There's no cars there or anything, which is kind of strange. Uh, and as you get even closer, you notice that there is a, one clear entrance area. Uh, but there are no really high fences. It's sort of, you know, people could just walk in from, from wherever, really. But um, it's... You know, the main tourist traffic is funneled in one direction. You see that area. You don't see any guards standing out in front of it. And in the distance, you can see a a, a haze of, like, stone wall that you can't see the detail of because of the distance. But you can see a, a, you know, ruined stone wall uh, a little bit in the distance. Do you continue to approach? I'll do survival now, too. This might be a good chance. Okay. Eight under oh. seventy. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> um, through, I mean, it, it's covered in water. Uh, so much of the parking lot is just sort of like mud. Um, but you see that there are different tire tracks uh, coming in and going. Uh, some look a little bit fresh, but it's hard to tell. You know, it could have been, uh, and it could be anybody really. It's just they're just tire tracks. Um, any. But boot tracks, foot tracks uh, can't be narrowed down to a specific number or a specific, t- you know, it's just sort of a, a mess um, and uh, and could be in some cases a day or two old uh, with, you know, a bunch of different tracks. So, yeah, it's it's really hard to delineate a, if you're asking for a, how many people are, are uh, you know, trekking through here. You don't really know. It's unclear. Okay. Yet. Yeah. Not from this distance. <sighs> Maybe I'll like run up to the wall and look over and see if we see anything. Okay, uh, so you move up to the wall. You move up to the wall. You still see no guards. And uh, if you want to look at roll 20, I'll, I'll give you a picture, uh, not in the rain, of, uh, of what this place looks like. Um, a few different pictures, actually. Oh. This is what we saw in the research. Very good, Matthew. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, if you look up at the top, uh, in the top left corner, you'll see an image that is sort of an aerial shot. You are at the southern part of that image where the, the first rock wall is. So there's like layers of rock walls. Uh, and then to the right of that, you can see what the rock walls kind of look like. They're like a zigzag fortress that rises up a hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a fort that was a military fort, and it was a highly defensible position because they could be high up on the hill with these layers of rock wall uh, uh, going down them so that it was difficult to pass through with a large army. Um, it's bad. For us. And 
Yeah, and you see, uh, as Matthew pointed out, as Gavin points out, he turns at one point, and maybe because Gavin spent more time with that journal than anybody, maybe chills just go down his spine as he looks, and he sees a rock formation, a doorway, and some steps going up to it. If you look, it's a slightly different angle than what's in your book, but you know that's the same thing that was sketched like... 80 years ago uh, in this book as having something to do with this Amulet of the Sun. Uh, But there were no details in the book. It was just a sketching there. Uh, This implication that these creatures helped to build these places. Um, We're in its house now. (laughs) (laughs) And this one, for anyone who doesn't know, like Cusco, this was the capital of the Incan Empire that we're Mm -hmm. in right now. So... Actually, can I check occult or history to know if there's any connection between this location and any kind of supposed occult rituals or anything? Yeah. Uh, 39 on under 70 for occult. Uh, yeah, so with your occult knowledge of uh, this place, and let's say you had done some research on it uh, as you were... You know, there was downtime. You weren't the one climbing over the fence and getting into the Winnebago and making the fake IDs. And so maybe during that time, you were doing your research. And one of the things that you came across uh, is that this place is tied to the Amulet of the Sun, uh, at least in theory, right? In the theory of the museum uh, uh, as to how it was used, that it might have been used to build it. uh, And that legend says that uh, it and this is where you're kind of a cult kicks in is you're like this is just to a lot of people it's just a story but I think that there's something here because you know that this thing has actual power powers right. uh, you read it and, and it says that there is a ritual uh, that is performed that was performed at the altar of the sun which is at the top of this fort that uh, activates the amulet and uh, you think of it you know as like a Okay, so maybe it's not just that they were trying to avoid the airport. Maybe they needed to, they thought they needed to activate it before it left the country. Otherwise, it might be useless and they might have to come back. And so uh, it's a suspicion, but like that's what your occult role would lead to. Okay, so this now that this is clicked for Jordy, he's kind of like wheezing and through his mask. He's trying to tell us, it's like, they might be trying to use this here. That might be why they brought it here. They're trying to activate it. So he, t- he, he tells them all about, about this new twist. Yeah. Um, and you know what? You could even say, uh, yeah, so you could, he pulls, I could just picture it. He pulls back the mask and you're just like, hey, they might be out there. You know, they might be needed to, to, to activate it. Uh, they might be trying to do something up there, blah, blah, blah. And you're all kind of like leaning in and trying to focus, even hear Jordy. It's so hard for him to speak. Even even the younger and healthier of you, Magdalena, Gavin, you are feeling some effect of the altitude. Uh, you have like your, your nose feels like almost like you have a cold uh, and you feel uh, like it's just it, it's taking extra effort. You know, just to walk across this half mile, you feel like you're like, whew, I'm winded. Like, you're not sick. 
and you're not f- collapsing or anything like that, but you're just like, wait, am I just out of shape? Like normally it doesn't make me winded to just walk like that. Uh, you notice these, these small effects. And so on Jordy, it's like he's having a hard time breathing. He doesn't even have enough breath to complete a sentence. So his sentences are short, then he needs to take a breath. And then another short sentence, then he needs to take a breath. And you're leaning in close to hear him. And as your ears are all perked up listening to him and he says that this might be going on, you hear a crack of thunder and then it mixes right in with what sounds like a gunshot like in the distance and then Roger you're like and you turn and all of a sudden you tell me like what does he think the second he feels like in the distance he hears a gunshot what do I think yeah, like, wh- how does he react when he hears actual gunshots, considering how many things he hears that he thinks are gunshots? Does he think he imagines it, or does he know the difference, do you think? I think he knows the difference. Uh, and his the immediate thought that runs through his head is, like, there's no longer just one enemy. There's multiple. Hmm. He thinks this and turns and he hears. Clack, 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 clack. He hears another, like, this, like, or this rattle of gunfire that is brief, but is it's, it sounds like an automatic weapon. It's just like, but it's again, it's in the distance, hard to hear. But you know, Roger could pick it out uh, even in the rain. Maybe they awoke the beast. Maybe there's somebody else. But this might be a good time for us to make our move. Where we're standing, they'll see us coming, but. From the sounds of it, they might be too busy. This is it. Our last stand. Oh, man. So, everybody starts up this incline. And you... I mean, I can't even imagine. Like, going into the jungle is one thing. But now Gavin, Magdalena, Caesar. I mean, Jordy, I'll give a little bit of leeway. He's got enough problems. But you guys are walking up behind Roger Cumstone, up these stone steps into the pouring rain, and you know you're walking into gunfire. (laughs) (laughs) As you start coming up the hill, you see a figure in the distance. Roger is looking close. Roger, you see a human figure up and over, uh, you know, one of these uh, hills. Looking through my scope. Yep. And mm. uh, you have, oh, yeah. So you, yeah. you look through your scope and you see a person is sort of like moving toward you with their eyes downcast. And it looks like a woman. It has the, the figure of a woman, <sighs> long hair down in the face, and uh, just like scrambling. And then it falls. <laughs> into the ground, face first, scrambles, and starts standing up again and starts running back down again right towards you. Can we, like, can we like hide behind the wall and do the classic, like, gun butt as she runs by? Fuck yeah. I'm gonna, like, come stone. I'm gonna, like, come stone do that, but I'm, like, I'm, like, take her out. Take her out. Come stone. Come stone's just looking through the scope as the figure is getting closer trying to see if he recognizes her. Roll uh 
spot hidden. Yeah, yeah. Is it search in this? I think it's search in this. Search? Okay. Oh, man. Uh, Or alertness? Is that different? Well, I rolled the dreaded 86. Oh, no. (laughs) Over 42. So, So 86 over 42. The hair's in the face. I can't get it. Yeah, the hair's in the face. But I I will give you one thing with that. Uh, You see... Uh, because you have a you have a sniper uh, scope here, so I mean right. you're seeing pretty clear. But the the visibility that the the rain and the hair, you you do see that there's blood on the face. Oh, blood on the face. Yeah, this is uh, this is tricky here. Um, when she fell and got back up, do I get the sense like thinking back to Keen, a dead body rising? Does it have that feel, or does it feel like someone that's injured and just trying to get away? You know, I honestly don't know what, <laughs> Ro- what Roger sees when he sees this, because this looks almost identical to the woman that was sprinting away from the water tank. Oh, no. Oh, no. All those years oh, ago. No. Oh, no. my God. Oh, no. This is like that scene in American Sniper where he's got, like... The yes. target is a kid, and yes. he has to decide what to do. Like I'm, I'm torn right now. Like I'm gonna say because of the '86, you don't know. Like it, if Roger is flashing to that woman who was like laying in her own waist at the bottom of that tank, oh, and her hair all straggly, and when they got her out, she just took off. Uh, this woman is coming at you and it, there doesn't seem to be anything aggressive about it. She doesn't seem to see you. She has nothing in her hands. Uh, her falling and getting back up uh, is, you know, could just be that she tripped, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it's She is moving with haste. With some level of haste. Scrambling. And she's going to be there in exactly three seconds. <laughs> See, I think this is like Eileen Parker, one of these people. They summon yeah. the monster and got attacked, and it's she's coming. She's running away. Uh, we don't know what this thing does, though. Yeah, we don't like, know what this maybe, does. Maybe it's, uh, it took her over somehow. Or... Yeah. So, Roger, just... good. So you tell me what you're thinking. Like, can you... Magdalena's playing. Can you knock her out when she runs by? That's so dangerous. If she... The thing is, if, she's, if, she, if we think she's real... Then yeah, knock her out, no problem. Three. If she thinks she's two, a monster, Roger takes one. a shot. <laughs> <laughs> he takes a shot at her. Yeah. Sniper right through the head. And now the monster knows our position. Okay, so uh, go ahead. Uh, so two things: one, minus twenty percent for visibility. Two, okay. minus twenty percent for your eighty-six because oh. you're not sure. You're not comfortable. Okay. And the, you're just like, ah! And then you just decide last second that you're going to take this shot as she's scrambling all over. It's going to be a hard shot. Yeah, so it's, it's a, a minus very hard 40. shot. So I've got to roll under 20 now because I have a oh, 60 man. firearms. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's see what happens. 98. <laughs> No way. Oh, oh, oh my god. Bad. All right, so it's just 
bang and the, the sound of this gunshot ripples through the air she uh, I can only he, imagine how loud this oh gun God, must that, be that magnum that sniper rifle I uh, mean a, a magnum sniper <laughs> rifle boom uh, yeah it, it's it's so loud I'm not going to get into the disorienting death mechanics just now I've got too much on my plate uh, so <laughs> you fire that and uh, it, it misses her and she is stumbling towards you, and it's not easy to take that second shot with a sniper rifle. You need another second uh, to reorient yourself. But in that second, she comes up, and now you can all see she's only 10 feet away from you stumbling. I'm and going you can to butt my gun. She's into not there. Her she's 10 oh. feet away, and you see uh, Eileen Parker, oh. uh, blood on her face, eyes wide. And she's just running uh, away, and she seems to not see any of you and has not reacted at all to the gunshot. And she's coming sort of right past you. And you're hiding behind these rocks. So Magdalena is just going to try to hit her with the butt of the rifle. Yeah, original plan. Roger missed the shot. I'm going to just try so to, like... So she steps out her. as this woman comes, Karina, and just... <laughs> we'll go ahead and roll uh, melee. That is a... F- oh, ooh. I thought I was way more of 48 under 50. Oh, Ooh, nice. <laughs> Whoa. Boom, right in the nose. Okay, so Magdalena steps out and just crack, <laughs> cracks her right in the temple. It splits her head. She just hits the deck. It's like, straight down. I mean, just like she got hit by, you know, uh, the I mean, biggest free safety speed. in the league. Yeah, just like, <laughs> bam. And just her face, her head, everything just goes down into the muck. Cool. And she's just like, and she's not unconscious. I pull her to the side. She just starts opening her eyes slowly, but it's like completely disoriented. And it's just like laying on the ground. What do you do? What did you do? What did you do? She's she's trying to, to look up to see you. The rain is in her eyes. It's in her mouth. It's it's in her nose. She's blinking, blinking up at all of you. And she just starts babbling. The angel of death. I've seen it. I've seen it. Our time is done. We cannot. We cannot win. We cannot win. She, I slap her. You can tell she's not talking to you. She's sort of like babbling. I slap her and I say, where is the amulet? You slap her. She's looking at you. There's no. And she's looking right. She looks at your eyes and then past your eyes and then kind of at your eyes again and then past your eyes. You can see that she's like she's not focusing on anything and she just keeps babbling and babbling. Uh, she looks past you and as her eyes are waving around and just keeps saying, there is none. There is none. He took it. He took it. And in that moment, she sees Gavin and her eyes just widen and she freezes and she just starts going, ah, ah, <laughs> like screaming and staring right into your eyes, Gavin. Oh, give me the knife. Uh, Gavin, thinking quickly, points her face toward Jordy. See if uh, she's just she, like, ah, ah. She turns, and as soon as she's not looking at you, she she stops screaming, and she looks at Jordy, and her eyes sort of focus for a second and blink, and for a second there seems to be some level of recognition, and she just says, "Tell him, tell the boy." 
took her. He took her. His mother. And he's t- she's talking to you, Jordy, and it's like uh. she saw Gavin, something snapped, didn't tell Gavin, but you get the sense she's talking about his mother. Yeah, oh. Jordy, it's like he's got the, still got the mask holding to it to his face because his eyes go wide and he looks up but makes eye contact with Gavin, who, if, you heard that too? I heard it, yeah. Yeah, so it's just like, Jordy's just like, holy shit! And then again, she just starts... Uh, oh no, no! And you can tell she's just there's she's gone. We should keep moving. Leave her. Yeah, leave her. We'll find, okay, if we survive, we'll come back and find her later. Yeah. Hopefully, she doesn't drown. <laughs> Put her on her side. Put her on her side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Roger will check her person and remove any weapons. Mm. Uh, you you check her person and you see that she has a pistol. Okay, take it. Uh, a, a small caliber pistol, and you pull strap it, off it to my leg. Strap it to your leg, uh, and then you continue moving up, and you just leave her there. Yeah, you continue moving up, and you haven't heard any any gunshots. Um, and you come up uh, over this rise, and now you feel like you've you've gotten to the the highest place of this fort. Uh, it uh, there's a circular uh, area that's you could tell from the overhead pictures, maybe pictures you had seen online before you got here, but excuse me, in uh, in actually being here, you can't really tell when you're at eye level with it, but you do see in the center what appears to be uh, a structure with walls about six feet pardon me about six feet high that is like a long rectangle uh it has no roof it just has walls stone walls and the stone walls then cut in just a little bit about a foot leaving maybe like a four foot wide opening and the ten and the six foot walls extend again so it almost like looks like a bottle does that make sense like it's like a bottle shape so there's like a long rectangle mm. and then a smaller rectangle and it looks like an entrance into uh, an area the area uh, itself you can see from this distance and even with the uh, some of the um, issues with the rain and stuff you can see that there are bodies outside oh. of it oh, wow. laying outside of it just face down one is on his back hmm. it's just us and the monster <laughs> do the yeah. bodies look like uh, guards like the other you're a little too far be... away to tell okay. it just see it's like they're, oh. they're mixed in with the muck and mud and God. it's kind of hard to tell from this yeah, range let's, let's close the distance here yeah, yeah, yeah I'll keep down. looking through the scope do I see any movement at all no you see no movement Is it inside of that building? With the, my the research, building, would I know where the altar is? Yeah, you're, you know you're looking at the altar. All this right. is the altar. Okay. Uh, and you can see into this building, and you can see that it, it appears to be empty. But there's no, again, there's no roof. And it's kind of, like, you won't, you're not able to see right against the walls. You know what I mean? You can't see the entire inside. But if you look straight in, straight down the middle, you can't see any people. All right, so, yeah, Jordy is wheezing. He's like, and he's just, like, pointing frantically at that building. It's so crazy because we came here to stop them, and that is gone. We've failed. Too late. It's too late. So now we're trying to stop something that has just wiped out all of these people, and we are highly unequipped to do this. And we know this. 
Jordy can't even breathe. Gavin just had a, a this dropped on him about his mom. Uh, I mean, and he wasn't going to be much help with a, with firearms to begin with. Let's right. be honest. Well, well but maybe. Jordy, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? Just Jordy and Roger are the ones that have had past experiences enough to know that they have to go in, no matter the fact they're poorly equipped. Because if this gets unleashed on the world, it's game over, man. This is why. Yeah. yeah. So. But also, like, maybe we don't have to shoot a monster. Maybe the amulet is somewhere up there. Like, maybe we can still destroy it. I think that's that's got to be our, our main plan, because I don't think we we're going to be able to kill a monster that just took out an entire, you know, <laughs> cadre of uh, no. Delta Green schism agents. The best we can do is, is try and keep it at bay while someone runs in and find, grabs the amulet and tries to destroy it. Um, but this how do you wards? We, are we going to have to do the whole thing we did last time to destroy it? No, like, just smash it, hammer it, throw it against right. the wall, smash, shoot it. smash, smash, yeah. Shoot it with well, my, Yeah, my close pistol. range gun. Um, oh, God, I wonder if I should... you got to fight off the monster. I've got to fight off the monster. Uh, I'm going to need covering fire, but like my po- most powerful weapon now, I've got the AK is going to be able to do decent damage, but if I can spot it from afar now, I could get a shot off. Mm-hmm. Someone run around and be a decoy. Draw it out. I'll get one shot off with the Magnum, then switch to the AK, and then we make a run for the building. I'll do it. No, Jordy's like, he waves him off. He waves off Gavin, and he just points at his own chest because he knows he can't run to the building. So he's going to do the one job he can do, which is to stand there and hope that the creature comes for him. So he just steps out into the courtyard uh, with the bodies and just and just looks around this kind of like waving his arms still with us still holding the mask but like this <gasps> just like waving his arms and stumbling through the courtyard and Roger is watching Jordy uh, and he's looking at the oxygen tank <laughs> he's thinking about it's the closest thing we have to an explosive device <laughs> we may need it uh I'll scan the skies. Do I see anything? So I just want to be clear. <laughs> Jordy steps up alone to where the bodies are, which is a few feet away from the entrance to this ruin, ruined altar uh, area. And the rest of you are hanging back some distance, some some small distance, 30 feet, 10 meters, something like that. Um, does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're all together. Um, and you're hiding behind a rock or something. Uh, I guess cover. we should. Yeah, if if there's any cover, we can. Or there is no cover. It's there's, pretty the, 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 there's some. Yeah, there's not. There's some low cover. I mean, there's like some walls that are like two feet high that are just yeah. sort of like. Well, I guess well, let's let's split up so we're not yeah. all in one. Right, we'll <laughs> spread out. So yeah, Jordy goes up and we just start fanning out. We're trying to find little rock formations. Roger, Roger, you should be Fucking either uh, on one knee with uh, kind of hip high cover with a gun on it, or laying prone with. That I was thinking gun. about laying prone because maybe I maybe I get a bonus. Um, you would fall over if you tried to shoot that standing up in real life. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean the gun is so long, you you. It's not really feasible. Like, you know, in the earlier thing, it's just like, like I said, I've got a lot going on. I can't do it. there's a little rock that, wall that, or something. That gun is just like standing and holding it is comical. Like, yeah. it's so long. I figured I was leaning it on something when she was coming sure, in. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's so, all fine. It's all fine. I'm just saying, like, I can't, you probably, Grant's right. Like, it's it's so big. 
It's like the Joker's gun in uh, the original Batman. Yeah. Pulls out yeah. His pants. But the 88 Magnum from Johnny Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually come with a, like a, a bipod stand. So they're designed to like be like laying down or, or kneeling and, and shooting. Yeah, so if, there, or if there's some sort of rock wall that I can take a little bit of cover from and just hold it and I'm just scanning the area and following Jordy as well. Okay. You guys are all in position, scanning the skies. Uh, Jordy comes walking out alone and just starts frantically waving his hands around and looking towards the sky. You don't see anything, but then through the rain, you feel like you hear something. Jordy listens close and he hears the faint sounds of what sound like someone crying. He hears... In the distance, just as he hears this, his hands stop waving, and he's like, someone crying. What? And he's holding the mask, and we see Jordy from behind, the entire long altar ruin in front of him with the altar at the back of this long ruin. Behind the altar, behind the back wall of the entire thing, rises a creature of unimaginable size and power. The fucking angel of death (laughs) in its hand is gripped a boulder the size of a car, and it rises up into the air, and at that moment, boom! This thunderstrike tears across the sky, and it is backlit and blackened as we see this tiny little Jordy standing below it some 50 feet or so away, And all of you look up and are frozen in complete horror. And we'll see you next time. It will be the end of the season. Oh, my God. Get in the trunk season two. It's a night on Bald Mountain. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.